0: The Unlikely Innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel, presented by Cambrian R&D and the Center for Smart Mining. If you're hearing my voice, that means, of course, you've joined us for another episode of The Unlikely Innovators. Mike, how are you doing?
1: Steve, I am lit.
0: (laughs) Oh, of course, that must be in reference to the guests we have on today. Uh, We have Mike and Chris from the uh, Maryland-based Startup City Bonfires, and uh, we had a good time with them.
1: Yeah, no, it was really great to chat with those guys because um, I think you and I were—we had obviously done our homework on, or at least I had done my homework on the company and knew that like it was a portable bonfire company where you had, uh, you know, um, you know, the, a small canister that you can have a, a bonfire within minutes. You know, I think of like roasting marshmallows and things like that. But like as we were having the conversation with the guys, I started to put like the pieces together. But like this is perfect for those nights when Zoe wants to have a bonfire, but it's like we're going to be like a half hour away from having roastable coals. I mean, I guess this is a dad thing, but like, (laughs) it's like, no, don't roast your marshmallows over an open flame. Like let's get a nice red, hot, like coal bed. It's perfect for roasting, but it's like, normally with the kids, it's like, you got to get the fire lit as soon as possible. And they're just, you know, sticking the marshmallows right into those, those licking flames and and trying to get the marshmallows toasted. Of course, they end up catching on fire. So I'm just thinking now ahead that like, this is a, this is an easy way to get them out of the house, to get a couple quick marshmallows in, and then put the lid on, go to bed. And then if we want to have a fire after hours, uh, you know, we could do that ourselves. But I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a great product, and you know, the, the guys had some great insights to share about it today.
0: Yeah, and I think as you'll hear in just a moment uh, at the end of my voice, um, they have a really interesting uh, uh, product story and company story. So, any aspiring entrepreneurs out there that think they have the next idea, this is a good instructive. Uh, look at another company uh, that took an idea and turned it into a flourishing business. So without further ado, we're going to go to the guys from City Bonfires.
1: So this is the first for the unlikely innovators. We have two guests for the price of one. We have Chris McCasland and Michael and Michael Polsky, uh, both founders of City Bonfires. So I'll read both bios and then we'll launch into uh, into the conversation we have today. So Chris... Uh, Prior to the pandemic, Chris spent more than 15 years in the concert, sports, and event ticketing industry. He was the chief procurement officer and partner at Encore Tickets, one of the highest grossing ticket brokerages in the country. After the pandemic halted all live events, Chris pivoted and started a direct-to-consumer business called City Bonfires, which we're going to talk about today. City Bonfires is a portable mini bonfire that is handmade in Maryland with American-made materials. In a few short months, City Bonfires has sold more than 250,000 units, moved into a large warehouse space in Rockville, Maryland. And Chris has hired some of his former ticketing industry colleagues to assist with fulfillment. Uh, and then we've got Mike. Uh, Mike grew up on the Eastern shores of Maryland and Eastern Maryland. He went to Clemson university and has worked as a financial advisor and lead sales manager in a number of industries. Most recently he was national account manager at Miltech USA recycling and waste solutions. He's traveled all over the world as the top sales lead until the pandemic halted travel and slowed all restaurant business, which as we know, led to city bonfires. So guys, thanks for joining us on the unlike the innovators this week. It's a, uh, Privilege to have you on. I know that I kind of, you know, I think gave an overview of your career paths before you founded City Bonfires, but maybe in your own words, if you guys can provide a brief journey that you've, you've both been on that kind of led you to this venture today. Sure. M- Michael, you want to
2: go first? Um, all right. I, uh, so I was with Miltech. It was a, you know, we, we, were, we were running a sales organization. We were focusing on fast food restaurants and helping them recycle uh some of their products so it had me traveling uh probably two three weeks a month I, I was running a team of five nationally you know different regions and so I, I was gone a, a fair amount of time and so uh you know Chris and I are neighbors and we kind of saw each other a little bit but it was more of like a neighborly like hey man how you doing type uh relationship that's all prior to COVID. And
3: uh I I was you know like you said in the live event industry for for quite some time. That was pretty much the only uh, you know, job I had as an adult was, uh, was in the live event, concerts, uh, sports, theater, ticketing space. And you know I, I would go to my office from eight to six every day, you know, work Monday through Friday. I didn't travel nearly as much as Michael did, but, but I would travel for large events, Super Bowl and World Series and, and different things to work. But um, it's just it, COVID you know, and the pandemic brought so much different uh, perspective into life. And um, to you know, it was normal to travel three weeks out of the month for Michael, and you know, to sit at a desk all day long every day. But uh, COVID, you know, surely changed that. For obviously not just us, for for quite a few people.
0: For sure, and uh, I thanks so much, guys, for coming on the on, on the podcast. And uh, you know, we often ideas for businesses, uh, the the people we we have on the show. Uh, often come from unlikely places uh how did you get the idea to take what we all know and love as you know the concept of the bonfire and shrink it down into something much more accessible where did the idea come from for the product
3: um the idea came from from being stuck at home with our kids and trying to entertain them you know and we realized how hard of a job i think teachers have during that time Uh, exactly (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah, we, we were at home. We were trying to keep the kids entertained. We were using fire pits and whatnot in the backyard and making s'mores. Um, and at, at the same time during the day, you know, I was trying to learn. I shouldn't say during the day, at night, actually, once the kids were asleep. Um, we were trying to learn Shopify, <laughs> different e-commerce things and, and kind of knew that was a, a big way the world was shifting, especially during those COVID times. Um, so and just trying to come up with a product that, that we could sell. And um, at first we thought of like a tie dye kit to sell and, and city bonfires was, was the next thought and um, kind of entertaining our kids. And then also looking for that product to sell. It, it all kind of came together.
2: For, for me, it was, a, it was an interestingly introspective time. You know, I, I had this job. I, I was you know, doing well in it. I felt um, it was something I enjoyed doing. And then everything came to a halt. And so I, I was trying to figure out what to do with my, my head, you know, because there wasn't much I could put focus into. I was listening to a lot of podcasts. Chris and I were becoming friends. Chris had this idea he had this view into, you know, the, the e-commerce world, which I, which I understood, but not to any level like he did. And he was going to pursue that. And so I, I was really excited just to kind of walk along with him while I figured it out. I figured it, it's kind of like cutting edge stuff. It's the way retail business is going. How could we not learn something that would be beneficial just mm-hmm. pursuing it?
1: And that's so funny because I think I have a similar story. And I mean, we're in, you guys are in Maryland and we're in Northern Ontario, but like when that pandemic first hit in the winter, we had so many bonfires out in the backyard, just because same reason, like we, it was the only thing we could do that we was so cold, but like, you couldn't go anywhere and really do anything, but at least you set up a fire, you could roast some marshmallows, keep, you know, our, our oldest entertained for a little bit. Uh, until she, you know, reached her marshmallow quota, but uh, but yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think for sure a lot of a lot of I think parents through the pandemic can relate to that, just trying to find innovative ways to kind of keep everybody sane, uh, maybe outside of the house, occupied, those types of things. But but I've uh, I've got like the fit the final product that you guys are selling here now, and obviously with a lot of the innovators that we talk to on the podcast, uh, or just in the the folks that we work with in our line of work, you know, we see how the initial designer concept kind of evolves from that first prototype to where you get the finished product that you bring to market. Can you talk a little about the early prototyping process and maybe some of the changes you guys made, you know, to those first proof of concepts before you got to you know, the final product that you now have today?
3: Michael, you could tell them the, the funny tuna story there
2: if you want. The, uh, so Chris and I were trying to figure out you know, a way to, to have this and have it small and convenient. So we had gone to the grocery store and we were check, just looking at cans, you know what I mean? We were going to Walmart and just looking like what cans kind of get idea size. And so from, we from Danish, up and down every aisle, not, you know, not just food, you know, anything really. Yeah, it was just literally anything that came in a can. What do you think about that can? How would the top work? Right. And so we, we started off with some Danish cookies. Uh, you know, they come in the, the tin, yeah. the big tin. We tried those and, and, and there were some issues with that that we weren't happy with. And then uh, so we have this idea. We think it's going to work. And so one day, because of uh, the COVID and all the restrictions and the food shortage stuff, the the tuna cans or the normal small cans weren't always in. So I had bought some of the the next size up can. And so I was making tuna for, for lunch, just trying to, you know, get through the day. And as I opened it, I looked and it's the can, the way the can was made seamless, solved the problem we have. So I, I, I literally like scooped the tuna out, poured it in to make tuna salad. And I looked in the bottom of the can, I look over to my wife and I'm like, I gotta go talk to Chris. I was like, I, I think I think we've solved our problem because in the bottom corner, we didn't want an open seam. We wanted it to be a solid piece. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was a, a fun part of our journey in trying to identify the can.
0: Yeah, and I think a bit more about sort of the, the idea I wanted to touch on guys. Um, well, I've had a chance to talk to a lot of innovators uh, over time, and sometimes an idea is a great idea in your head, and then maybe you get one buddy that thinks it's a good idea, but then you talk to the rest of the world and it's like, no one's going to buy this. But for you guys, what was that moment early on in a company's lifespan? You get that sort of first few flickers of validation from the market that enough people are going to buy this that we can actually make a go of this. Can you talk a bit about that process? What was those, what were those validation points where you knew like we can actually move some product here?
3: Um, I, I think, you know, with, with our neighbors, obviously, but like you said, you know, your friends are going to be you know, supportive, you know, our neighbors were really into it and, and we saw some, some good uh, signs right away with how our, you know, our Facebook ads and Instagram ads were going and that allowed us to, you know, to, to rev it up a little bit. And that, that really allows you to scale your whole business. As long as you're not paying too much for the ads and you're still making money, you can turn up your ad spend as much as Amex will let you until they decline <laughs> you, you know? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, that obviously is a big help, but there was one, um, maybe a, a month or so, six weeks after we really started going, a local radio host, um, started talking about it and it wasn't a paid spot we had sent him one you know a f- weeks before just you know to send him one and uh, we also happened to be in like a local newspaper the day before and he read about us and, we, and he started talking about it on air and mm-hmm. then one of like the assistants of the co-anchor was like oh they this company sent you one it's on your desk so they, re- they literally, they're all talking and they walk to the broadcaster's desk. His name's Elliot Siegel, major radio guy at DC 101, like our local rock station here. And um, so they walk to his desk, bring it back. And he goes, they light it in the studio and they're talking about it. And it ended up being 17 minutes of him talking just about our product throughout his show. And uh, that was a major springboard of um of getting people to the site and you know and, and being able to you know give them ads and you know things like that and, and follow them around um it, that was a major uh springboard to seeing you
2: know what you know what it could really do and what people liked about it and we we, we were really fortunate you know at every you know we, we bought a couple we tried to sell them and, the, and we sold them we bought more we sold those we bought more we sold those it was really uh you know, we were really fortunate in, in the path. It was, it was something that the, the market obviously liked. Yeah.
0: And what an exciting thing to have happened too, right? Once you start seeing it's, you know, it's, it goes beyond your core group of trusted advisors, you know, your friends, your family, and then it's like, like, Holy shit, this is actually, gonna, this is actually going to turn into something, right. It's an exciting time to get that validation back. Right.
3: Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, we, you know, we worked very, very hard on getting together and, uh, spilled a lot of wax all over the garage (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) but i'm sure with that uh with that radio spot was there a part of you that was like it's for indoor it's for outdoor use only don't use it indoors (laughs) yeah uh
3: you know but we make that very clear on the website and and, you know lots of warnings um so and we made it you know we messaged them and bought you know they don't (laughs) care but yeah Yeah, yeah. Yeah. they like you should be happy that we even talked about you. you know,
1: no first. doubt, no oh, yeah. doubt. I think in that case, all you know, all publicity is good publicity, right? But but obviously, <laughs> I'm sure as, as business owners, you're conscious of, of of those disclaimers. But um, you know, and you guys kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, uh, Chris, when you were talking about like looking at e-commerce platforms. Uh, but one of the things we wanted to ask you was obviously with you know the industry experience that you guys had in your respective fields, um, you certainly had you know that that you could bring to the table. But what was the biggest learning curve? for you guys and bringing a new product to market? Like, was it the manufacturing supply chain issues? Was it the e-commerce platform you mentioned? What, what did you guys, I guess uh, you know, struggle with the most that you had to overcome to, to get city bonfires uh, to market? Um, I think, uh, sorry, for me, I would say is, is learning about the,
3: the ads, you know, and the Facebook ads and Instagram ads, because that's really where the money's made because if you're not watching that, so closely and it's you know goes higher and you're paying 40 bucks for a sale and and you really need to be paying fifteen, you know whatever it may be that could go out of whack in just like that in a split second and you go from making money to losing money every day and that is something that we've outsourced to you know to an incredible team this team they're called honest agency o-n-i-s-t agency and um they they've done an incredible job and they also they've taught us a ton about it too but no way Mm -hmm. we
2: could ever do that alone and neither of us were in manufacturing before. So, I mean, that was all stuff that needed to be learned, but it's like, like, just like the path of buying the, uh, the initial cans and selling them. I mean, all the hurdles were stuff we could get through. You know, we, we wanted to have all the stuff American made because the supply chain was problematic. And so we figured if we got all the stuff local, we at least worst case scenario, we could get in a car, or send a truck and get it. And so, uh, you know, all that stuff worked out for us and it, uh, it, it, you know, there, there were decisions, there were, there were, there were things we've done that we've learned from, uh, but it was all very, we were very fortunate in the way the path played out.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to ask you about American Made in a second, because it seems to be pretty core to your business uh, from day one. I wanted to also ask you about, um, in in Canada, and I'm sure there's, there's these things, you know, everywhere in the States too, but we we, we refer to something as a startup ecosystem, so like a group of of other companies, other sort of uh, quasi-governmental organizations that help companies uh, start up. Do you have something like that in your community? Did you take advantage of any, uh, or was it all just bootstrapping and uh, and hard work right from the beginning? Um,
2: there's a small there's a small business thing, but I, we didn't do anything. We didn't utilize them. Yeah, we
3: we like the United States has the SBA, the Small Business or, or whatever. Administration, oh, yeah. 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 Um, And, you know, people take loans from them and stuff, but we didn't take advantage of that. You know, we really, uh, we controlled as much as we could possibly control without, you know, putting, you know, up too much money to lose. Hmm. And we had a really good feeling that it was going to work.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, I think there's a, a main difference between Canadian and American risk taking right there. It, it seems like Canadians need a wholly like uh, startup ecosystem to make sure that uh, you know you're willing to take the personal and business risk. But uh, I think you guys are a bit more uh, daring, which is probably why you're also leading the world in new startups and things like that. But um, I wanted to ask you about uh, American made, and this isn't a political podcast, I should mention, but uh, I'll tie it into something I heard on the State of the Union address last night. So when we when we when we're doing this uh, this podcast uh, the night before uh, your president gave a statement about buying American um, and how important that is and you're of course your entire supply chain for this product is made in America how important is that to you and and your your, your company goals I know you, you said that it's because of supply chain uh, interruptions but do you plan on maintaining that as a core value for the company forever
3: absolutely yeah that, that is yeah. our main goal we pay a lot more for certain materials than um then we we have to you know then we'd have to i guess you could say but we don't even think twice about that you know to, to us that's not even part of the bit you know, I'd ra- i would i'd rather be a waiter you know somewhere i i don't i don't want to uh you know support anything other than that this this is why we're here is to, mm-hmm. to help up, help each other
2: yeah, it was a core part of the business from the beginning, so it's been in the numbers the whole time, the, the cost differentials, and, and we can make it work, and why not you know, help as locally as you can? I mean, what we're learning is there's benefits to the global economy, but we can't forget the local economy either. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and what a great thing. I mean, consumer products, everyone thinks of offshore production, but I mean, what a great story to be able to show to others that might have that next idea you know, that you could do it all American, and you, can, and you can make a go of it and be successful, right?
2: absolutely
3: yeah
2: and you have you have the beautiful benefit where in the in the uh, you know 10 20 30 years ago when you opened a store you had the retail store and you only had the people who walked by that retail store now you have the opportunity to open it up so much wider um so you know why not produce it as simply And, and like like chris said earlier i mean we really could have as much control as you could of the supply chain and that was a real benefit to us and I, you know, uh,
1: Mike, to pick up on what you said about how you can like expand beyond, I think, the traditional boundaries of retail, obviously in the advent of uh, the age of social media. And that's truthfully how we found you guys, our admin assistant, Pam Druin. So I'll say her name to see if she actually listens to the podcast. You know, she said, you guys should have these guys on. Like they have like, you know, 80 something thousand followers on Instagram. They've got a really cool product. Like, what about them? So, I mean, that's an example where you've been able to leverage social media and, you know, your company in Maryland, but you've now, got eyeballs in Sudbury, Ontario, four hours north of Toronto. Um, you know how you mentioned how you've outsourced a lot of that to another company that's kind of helped you kind of elevate it. But like, have you guys like what has been the, your response to us? I think, I think seeing the growing trend on social media where you guys are, you've got a, a pretty sizable following and it's obviously only going to continue to grow.
3: It's really incredible the way that people interact on there. Um, you know that's how people spend their time that you know they're not watching shows and stuff they're watching you know quick 20 second videos on their phone you know and i read yesterday that tiktok is allowing up to 10 minute videos mm-hmm. now so it's just going to like be like little mini series that people can watch in an hour you know and, and that's it's going to take over tv so um it's just, it's just it's really neat what you know what all what it can do there
2: mm-hmm. and chris and i were open to you know putting ourselves out there a little bit right I mean you have to put some of yourself out there and when they when people ask us you know our people our teams discussing stuff and they're like let's do this Chris and I are like
0: all right let's try it and I think the story of the company really purports well to the uh to the medium of like videos and and telling stories right because it's such a lifestyle story linked brand right
3: very
2: much yeah
0: yeah um, just a quick uh, question about Canada. I already mentioned it too many times because we want to sort of be an international focused podcast, but, um, a lot of people think of Canada as a rural place, you know, uh, you could do bonfires in your backyard and no one will see them. Right. But we do have suburban and urban centers that can't do that, you know, as there are anywhere in the world. What has the response been like from fire lovers, you know, north of the border in Canada for your product?
3: Um. Very, very high. We have people reaching out every day to be distributors for us up there, and it's it's been really good in Canada. And people people really seem to love it. Especially, like you were saying, you you don't have to have two acres of land, or you know, even a half. You know, you could have, you could still have some good land, um, but you could be in a small. You know, you could be a small apartment and go outside. You know, and, and go on your deck or whatever it may be, or your patio, and put it on something. You know, not flammable. Flammable but um, you, you don't have that option, you know, if you're in the city. And also another thing is even if you do have a little land and you want to have a fire, you have to monitor the fire, you know, yeah. and you have to make sure that it goes out. You know, if you, if you want to have s'mores after dinner with your kids, you got to set up the fire, you got to get the fire going, you got to get them out there and then, you know, 10 minutes into it, they're done with it. You know, then you got to go get them in bed, make sure, make sure the fire's not, you know, blowing around where, you can you light up light the four wicks of the city bonfire, you know. Minute and a half later, the thing's rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if that, and, and you you're doing your s'mores, you know, ninety seconds in, and you slide the lid over, you you literally could have s'mores in, in three minutes and be and completely done. You know, there's what to do, you know. Then there's people that sit on their front porch and drink wine and just have you know have it burning next to them. There's people that put it in their backpack, you know, for like a bug out bag or preppers, you know, things that's, you know, obviously really big right now. People searching a lot of that, um, everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the endless use use case has really helped a lot too. That And we okay.
2: didn't even know about it. Yeah. The convenience of it as well. I mean, yeah, you're right. That you can make, it, you know, if you have the wood, you have the space, you can make any bonfire anywhere, but the convenience of it was something we really saw hit a note and there's Like Chris was saying, there's some people that just aren't comfortable with fire. I mean, fire is dangerous. And so, uh, you know, the fact that this is contained and you so so easily put it out, you know, you know, appeases some people.
1: That's, uh, that's so, that's so good because I hadn't, I hadn't considered that because whenever we have fires here, we have like a nice fire pit in our backyard, but it is always such a production, right? Because you've got to like, you've got to chop the wood and sometimes you've got to chop the kindling, you've got to get it going and then you want to get it to a nice point before you get some nice coal so you can roast them. And then the kids lose interest after they've had their third or fourth marshmallow. And it's like, okay, it's time to go. And it's like, but I just built this fire. Like we're not going to sit out here and enjoy this huge fire that I just built. Yeah. So it's like, exactly. I think like after dinner, yeah. Like I, I have one here right beside me and I, I'm just thinking ahead to the summertime or even the winter that, you know, rather than doing all of that work and we'll still do that when we want to enjoy like fires ourselves, but that's an easy, that's an easy win for the kids. They get their sugar fix. Uh, and you're not outside, uh, you know, chopping wood with the bugs biting you.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's no brainer sitting around a a huge fire with all your friends. No chance for, you know, that anything better than that, in my opinion. But this is just so cool and convenient. Mm -hmm. And you can set it up and and be done in five minutes, 10 minutes. You know, it's it's just a different use to to have a fire, you know, not to take away from from the, you know, great times around a bonfire, you know, but not everybody can do that, you know, like we said. So this brings a little bit of that to the to everybody
0: yeah that's a daily use thing right i mean
3: yeah that's what I, I
0: think that's that's so cool about it you know if you if you want to use it daily for different purposes you have it available
3: right yeah you can put it out and then relight it as many times as you want until obviously until the wax burns through
2: burns out you get about four hours so however you choose to use it whether it's one time or put it out multiple times you're still going to get about between three and four hours of burn time
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh that's great Hey, uh, I, you guys have been super generous already with your time. I was going to ask a question, uh, which, uh, Mike, you went to Clemson, right? Yes, sir. Uh, are you a Clemson football fan?
2: Definitely, definitely.
0: What, so what the hell is Jacksonville doing with the once-in-a-lifetime talent of Trevor Lawrence?
2: I, 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 yeah, exactly. I, I have no idea. I, I, I'd hope maybe they'll get him some offensive linemen, you know, let him, let him stand back there and do what he can do. But we're, we're watching. I, I know he can do it, so they just have to get him protection.
0: Yeah, or do you think he's going to have to leave to get uh, to get more, uh, uh, to get better results?
2: I mean, that time will tell, right? If they get him the lineman and it works, it seems that he has weapons around him from, you know, just as someone watching. But yeah. uh, I, I have high hopes for him. I mean, he, he did really well in college and uh, I can't see why he wouldn't succeed at the next level.
0: Yeah, when I heard you went to Clemson, I had to ask you that because uh, I watch a lot of NCAA football and just he was a joy to watch. And now for this to happen, you know, it's like what, what a waste, you know.
1: This is also an unlikely innovator's first. Normally, I'm the one trying to make a hockey reference. And this, I think, is the first time that Steve's had a guest on that he could talk about football with. So, like, <laughs> yeah. that's another first. But before we let you guys go, because you have been generous with your time, we did want to ask you this, just because obviously, you know, the product is great. And I could see, you know, a lot of potential there, especially now that I've kind of made the realization in my own mind of all the things that I'm going to use it for here but like, do you guys have an idea of like, where do you go from here? Do you have any other ideas that you can share with where you want to take the company, anything in the works uh, that you can talk about?
3: Yeah, we, we have multiple new products that that we're planning to come out with that are going through some testing right now. Um, Just some different ideas of an outdoor um, same type of fire, but with a eucalyptus scent. So like a bug repellent, um, but with natural eucalyptus, um, or um, what was the other scent, Michael? I'm sorry. I'm citronelle, sorry. sorry. Um so we have that. There, there's some other candles that we're thinking about, maybe a, a fire starter to, There's a there we have a lot of good ideas coming.
2: Yeah, in, in, in the same vertical segment. I mean, we're looking just mm-hmm. to expand the offering and, and make it match what you know what you have the great opportunity here with the with Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, all these things that you get, you can get information back. And so we're trying to listen to what the market's telling us.
0: Yeah, it's true that feedback's really key. And I could tell you, if you make one that's bug repellent, I think Mike and yeah. I oh, will yeah. up our orders big time because <laughs> the mosquitoes and black flies in 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 Ontario in the uh, spring and summer are horrendous. So
3: yeah, yeah, that we got them bad here too. So yeah, trust working yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. If if anything can bring uh, you know can build uh, cross border relationships, I think it's our disdain for uh, for bugs. <laughs> so, but There's guys. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say thanks so much for, uh, for for carving out the time and, and telling us about your really cool product. And uh, we wish you all the success. And uh, maybe when you come out with uh, some more products product lines, uh, we'll have you back to, to tell more of the Canadian market about what you guys are up to.
3: Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Thank Our pleasure, guys. We appreciate it.
0: All right, we're back. That was a great chat, Mike, as always, with Chris and Mike from City Bonfires. And I have to ask you, before we go any further, uh, you talked about the sort of coal bed that you need. Um, What is your preferred doneness on a marshmallow?
1: Um, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I I like just like a nice medium brown coating coating. All around like that's i strive for that it it takes some patience and some diligence to just you know rotate it enough to get the coverage all around yeah um you can't be over
0: eager you can't be over
1: with it right no i mean the thing that we used to do as kids and you know maybe this will like give some insights into my my own mind and (laughs) you know people can make their judgments there but uh used to do the you'd roast the outside Take the like the outer layer off, eat that, and then roast the inside again. So you do the double roast until eventually there was nothing left, but uh, two step process. But Zoe, Zoe's in this phase right now where like she likes them. I don't know if she likes them burnt, like caught on fire. I think it's more of like a function of that's how she roasts marshmallows to the point that they catch on fire and then we Mm. have to blow them out. But uh, I guess what's your preferred uh, doneness for a marshmallow? Well,
0: I can I say this i don't like marshmallows oh come on of i prefer no i prefer a roasted hot dog
1: okay are you doing i i,
0: I do the spider They're spider do, dog i'll, I'll do the you. spider dog um i uh if i drop it in the fire in the coal bed i'll pick it up even I'm, I'm not i'm not beyond picking the uh picking picking the ashes off it but if i were to if i were to have to like uh choose a, a marshmallow because i do like it on a s'more sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to go with you, like a golden color, molten inside, a bit of a crunch on the outside. My wife, of course, burns hers, and I think she's a psychotic for doing that. But, uh, but I think the I think most people like the medium brown
1: yeah no i mean i guess when i was thinking about the spider dogs like it's just we'd almost have to have like a chemist on the podcast to explain to us like how by splitting it open you change the flavor profile dramatically <laughs> from just like having a hot dog on the barbecue it is really the only way to eat a hot dog over an open fire is the spider dog approach yeah. and it,
0: if you're not spider dogging i don't know are you really even having what are you a even doing dog? why yeah. are you even
1: doing it don't even you know what we
0: should we should have tim tim McRoberts back on to ask him because he's a He's yeah. a chef and then runs a culinary institute. Uh, I don't think that that place is serving uh, spider dogs. Though, if I'm being maybe, honest. maybe
1: they're doing an elevated spider dog, like that would be an interesting concept yeah, for yeah. a restaurant is right? the elevated deconstructed spider dog.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I think Mike, we're going to be doing a giveaway for this podcast. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. So we had, uh, you know, again, I'll shout out Pam again to check if she's listening. Um, you know, Pam found city bonfires through Instagram and, and we, we got connected and had them on the pod you know, I think given where we are here in Sudbury, it's a great product to have in, in like as a, you know, to kind of complement, you know, fire pits that people have. I think just the ease of use and the convenience is, is kind of, you're always going to have a need for that versus it's not going to take away, like the guy said, from having your friends over and having a roaring fire. But I think on those nights when you're looking for a quick fix for a marshmallow or a s'more, it's a great, it's a great idea. So again, we picked up a couple of these. We've got an event coming up soon. Uh, and I think we're going to be giving some of these away uh, to some of our, our volunteers who are working with us at the Student Innovation Challenge, which is at the end of the month at Cameron, um, but we are going to give this away on our uh, on our social media feeds. And so, the, actually, city bonfires they also do a s'mores kit. So for you, Steve, you can get your s'mores fix. We mm. we do have the actual uh, city bonfire kit here, but we do have a s'mores kit that will go with it. So it includes the graham crackers, the chocolate, the marshmallows. Let me ask you one more thing: How do you what how what what kind of chocolate do you use for your s'more?
0: Okay. All right. I, I see where you're going with this. Have you ever tried this celebration cookie?
1: Actually, I, I, I have done that. I don't know if it was you that told me that, but that was definitely uh, it's, it's a go-to. Yeah, I like milk chocolate. I know some people like the dark hard chocolate.
0: I like a milk chocolate for my s'more. What about you?
1: Well, okay. So let me, I'll, I'll hit you with this one. Cause this is how we did a lot of camping when I was a kid. And that was mm. like our, our summer vacations were at the campsite. And when we did s'mores, it was Nutella spread onto the graham cracker. So you didn't have to wait. Cause if you have like a, like a a chunk of like Hershey's chocolate, it's never going to melt enough. Like with the heat of the marshmallow, right? On those
0: cool summer nights, sometimes they don't, they don't
1: get, no, they don't get that, they don't get that, that squishiness that you want. Right. So we use Nutella, spread that on. I mean, the problem with that is that you've got to have like a knife and all that stuff. Like, I mean, but definitely the celebration cookies are the way to go because you've got everything already sandwiched in there. You just put your marshmallow in between and ooh, yeah. there you go.
0: You know, my wife as a, as a Finn person, she actually does some insane things sometimes. Like a lot of the time we, uh, we have like uh, sandwiches mm-hmm. and Finn people do the open face. They don't do the closed sandwich. They have the open face canapé sandwich. Yeah. She does the same thing with, with s'mores sometimes. And no, I, no I,
1: lid on the top, no
0: lid. You're not getting, you're not getting the heat closure there's a whole physical well, and how problem do you how event. do you actually eat it you just she just eats it she doesn't have a mustache like mine to, yeah, have, yeah, I guess to get true. it all in so <laughs> but uh no she uh for her faults, she's a great uh s'mores cook
1: oh i guess we'll find out <laughs> if tanya listens to this podcast because you'll that's be getting right. an earful if she does <laughs> for sure
0: but anyway uh, it was great to have these guys on i think yeah. uh you know they're going to be successful if they keep their their eye on what the clients want. And uh, it seems it's another great story of how social media has really elevated uh, a company's progress. So great to have them on. And uh, if you're lucky enough to get the uh, the city bonfire giveaway, uh, you have to to invite Mike and I over for s'mores.
1: It's in our contract. Okay, well, thanks everyone. We'll see you next week. The Unlikely Innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel presented by Cambrian R&D and the Center for Smart Mining.